When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, this is Behind the Steel Curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you on a Thursday morning. It's not any Thursday morning. It's a game day Thursday morning. Isn't that exciting? Well, honestly, anytime the Pittsburgh Steelers are playing that day, it's exciting. The fact that that day is where you have to say it's a Thursday, uh, don't like it. I don't. I don't like it. We're going to talk more about Thursdays and everything in the second half of the show. Um, just with that in general, as we go to, to look at the matchup. But uh, yeah, it's a game day. It's it's what we have. It's what we are. Things have been a little bit different here at Behind the Steel Curtain this week with the podcasts, even with the stuff on the editorial side. We've had to put a lot of information in a very short amount of time. But you know what? What we're going to hopefully get to do you know, not as much with the podcast because we're still going to bring you the same podcast otherwise afterwards, but maybe we can take a, a little bit of a deep breath following Thursday as the Steelers have a little bit of extra time before their next game. But we're not worried about that next game. We're worried about this game coming up. Now, the way things normally work on Stat Geek, I'll remind you again, I've been saying this a lot, I know. But normally, I'll take the first half of the show and I'll talk about last week's performance and the numbers with that, and then we'll look at the numbers going into the coming week. The problem is, this is a short week. We turned the table on last week on Monday. So it seems kind of like overkill on the day of a game to talk about 
last week. So I'm not going to break down those numbers specifically from the last game. I know. I hope you're okay with that. I hope you live. But I am going to break down some numbers. I'm going to break down some numbers. I'm going to answer a, a question that I had on Twitter. And then I'm going to actually look at some some uh, – we're going to dive in a little bit. I know some people might not like it. We're going to look at a few PFF rankings, but I'll, I'll give my disclaimer with everything with that when it comes. But first, let's take a look at this question that I got from Twitter. This was from Joe Cirillo, whose Twitter handle is at underscore Joe Cirillo. says, super fan dad – oh, sorry, STLR super fan dad. That's me. Uh, it says, hey, Dave, not sure if you're doing a stat geek in this short week or not. I can tell you that right now. Yes, I am. Um, because if I wasn't, you wouldn't be able to hear this response. Never mind. We could go on about that forever. <laughs> Back to the question. But I'm curious how uh, MT10s, which is Mitchell Trubisky, performance week one and two compare statistically to his time in Chicago. Can he turn this thing around? Hashtag nerds of steel. All right, Joe, I'm going to take this question and kind of look at this as looking at last week's game, but it's it's looking beyond. I'm going to look at both of them. We're going to look at Mitch Trubisky's statistics um, through two games, and we're going to compare him to his other years in the league. So a lot of the things we're going to look at is percentages, ratios, things of that nature. But I'll, I'll go ahead and, and give you some of the numbers as we go. But Mitch Trubisky, he played four years in Chicago. He was a second overall pick in 2017. Man, something about that draft and those guys coming to the Steelers is crazy. But you know, because that's when one Trent Jordan Watt was drafted, but that's a whole different story. 2017 started 12 games. He was four and eight as a starter. 2018 Pro Bowl year, he was 11 and three as a starter in 14 starts. In 2019, 15 starts, eight and seven. And then 2020, 10 appearances, nine starts, six and three. That was, there was a benching in there. I, I'm not getting into that at all. Uh, he did also play in six games with Buffalo, but did not start any. Um, did not have very many, only eight pass attempts. Um, but we're going to compare some of these numbers from where, from what Mitch Trubisky was with two starts with the Steelers, where he's one and one. So right now, through through the first two weeks, Trubisky has uh, attempted seventy one passes, forty two completions. That's a fifty nine point two percent completion rate. That is just under. His rookie year, which was 59.4. That's not what you want to see because he was 66-6 in his, in his Pro Bowl season the next year, 63-2 the following year. He was 67% in the year that he was in and out of the starting lineup. So that's something you look at and you're like, yikes. But remember, with those other ones, that's a bigger sample size where you would expect improvement as you went. If Mitch Trubisky's numbers dip from here, I don't want to see Mitch Trubisky anymore. The, the numbers, this needs to be the bottom and everything move up from here. So let's move on with some of these. Um, so far, he's got two touchdowns, one interception for the Steelers. You know, that's a two to one ratio. Better than his rookie year where he was a one to one ratio of, of uh, seven to seven. Had a two to one ratio his Pro Bowl year, 24 to 12. Had not quite a two to one ratio the next year at 17 to 10, but he also had a two to one ratio in 2020, which was 16 to eight. Which ironically, if you do the math out with, with, with this, um, Trubisky would be 17 and eight and a half if you look at what he would be based on two games if he started 17. Just putting that number out there. Um, his interception. Per um, percentage is lower than he's had. 
He's always um, with with the other ones. Uh, the what inter, inter, uh, interception percentage? There, I'm going to get it. What it is is it's the it's how many it's the percentage of times intercepted when attempting to pass. So, in other words, how many interceptions divided by the number of of passing attempts? It's only 1.4, which is his lowest of any year that he's had. But I think that's part of the problem is that it's almost almost too cautious. That's uh, a knock you have on it because his touchdown percentage it's at 2.8 that's only better than his rookie year which was 2.1 he was 5.5 in 2018 3.3 in 2019 5.4 in 2020 those are not that's more what you want to be those are the numbers you're looking at Let, let's look at uh well what's another one here how about yards gained per pass attempt yards per attempt he's 5.1 that's the lowest of his career. I mean, he was 5.4 with Buffalo, but he only threw eight passes. Um, so if you really want to look at the ones in, in Chicago, his worst one was 6.1 in 2019. That's, that's you know, the he's a, a yard under that, let alone the 7.4 in 2018. So he's not getting the yardage per pass attempt. Uh, you could you could do adjusted yardage. I'm not going to get into that. I will go ahead and look at his uh, quarterback rating. Okay, this isn't, you know, not QBR. That's the ESPN one. This is quarterback rating. Um, his quarterback rating right now is 76.1. When you look at his years in Chicago, that's worse than any of them. That's even worse than his rookie year, which was 77.5. His best was 95.4 in, in 2018 and 93.5 in 2020. So bottom line is, if you want to say how he is compared to sh- Chicago, if there's hope, bottom line is there better be. Because if he's not even performing as well as he was his rookie year in Chicago, then the Steelers should have another rookie play instead. That's just me saying that. So those are the numbers. That's a comparison. Kind of puts you a little bit where we are. Now let's look at some other numbers. I mentioned PFF, and some people don't care for pro football focus grades. There's a lot of times where I don't think they get it right. I think they don't know the coverages. They don't know what players are asked to do. I do think, I've said this in the past, the closer you all are to the ball when it is snapped, the more accurate they are likely to be based on their scores because it's there's there's less guessing as to what they're supposed to be doing um i still don't like things like last year when dan moore jr had a 0.0 um pass blocking score against miles garrett where miles garrett had i don't think he had a sack i think he had one quarterback hit and they want to say oh well we got the ball out so fast well okay well well he still did his job. He did what he's supposed to do. But then I think it's ironic because the, the offensive line having some decent scores now, people were saying, oh, well, they're only getting good scores because they're throwing the ball so quick. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways and say you're, we're giving them a bad score because if the ball wasn't thrown so quickly, they lost. And say, oh, well, the only reason they won was because the ball was thrown quick. It, it, as you can tell, those two things are polar opposite. You can't ha- you can't say one and have it be true for the other. It, it just doesn't work that way. But what I was going to do is I was going to look at some of these team rankings so far with PFF through two weeks because there's one in there that I, I find a little bit interesting. But um, just to, as a reminder, the average score for PFF is a 60.0. I'm not going to tell you all the, the pure scores, but I'm going to tell you where they rank in the NFL. Right now, the Steelers in PFF, their overall PFF ranking has them fourth in the NFL. You heard me, fourth. You're probably saying, how are they fourth? Defense. Defense means a lot. 
you know, it means just as much as offense. They got some pretty good defensive scores. Uh, the teams that are ahead of them are Philadelphia's first, Buffalo's second, Kansas City's third, Steelers are fourth, the Browns are fifth. I'm just putting that out there. The Steelers are the top-ranked team of any team that is not undefeated. All three teams ahead of them are 2-0 two, two right now. But if you look at the offensive scores, the Steelers' offensive score isn't as bad as what you would think, but you're probably thinking it should be worse. It's their 14th. They're ranked 14th in their overall score. Now you're like, but their offense isn't scoring points. That's not what it's about. It's about scoring the players and what they're doing. You're going to see why that score isn't lower here in a little bit. When it comes to the Steelers' pass offense, they are ranked, hold on, I got to scroll, 18th. They are ranked 18th in the pass. When it comes to pass blocking, like, oh, no, here we go. Yeah, they're ranked 7th. For people that are throwing the narrative out there that the Steelers' offensive line, blah, 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 you didn't pay attention this past week. My goodness, it wasn't awful week one. I mean, the run blocking was pretty bad week one, but the pass blocking was pretty good. Both got better in week two. Both got better in week two. So people that had the narrative of, oh, well, what do you expect behind this bad offensive line? Wrong. Wrong. That's the highest score on the offense is the pass blocking. Out of anything, it's better than the passing. The rest of it you'll see. So people that keep saying that and keep blaming stuff on the offensive line tells me one of two things. They're either, one, not watching the game at all, or two, they don't know anything about offensive line. Most people don't. A lot of people don't. And they definitely don't want to pay attention to it during a game because it's not exciting. Okay, The offensive line, especially from a pass-blocking perspective, and that has nothing to do with how quickly the ball is being thrown. They look at one-on-one matchups and if they win or if they lose. Just letting you know. Okay, receiving. Where the Steelers rank receiving-wise, 14th in the NFL. A lot of that's brought up a lot by Deontay Johnson. Um, Last week, only two players for the Steelers were above that 60 threshold. Deontay Johnson was in the 80s. Um, He had the second-best score on the offense with the number one actually being Chuk Sikorafor. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, the only other one that was above a 60 was Gunnar O, and he didn't even pay on that play on any passing plays. They were all run plays. Everyone else receiving-wise, way down. So people that are saying, oh, the, the receivers are doing their job and they're getting wide open. If they were getting wide open, they'd have higher scores. There are plays where they are, but it's not like it's every play. You kind of got to look at it that way. Um, And this is from multiple people watching the games multiple times, which is more than I have done. So that's why I I, I don't, like I said, I don't give all my stock into these scores, but it's not that they're based on nothing. Um, Here we go. Uh, Running. Steelers running. 22nd. They're, they're, they're ranked 22nd when it comes to run offense. Run blocking, they are ranked, okay, I got to find them here, 19th. 19th. So as you can see, the reason that the Steelers' offense is ranked higher is because their pass blocking is doing a good job. Think about it. Mitch Trubisky has been sacked four times in two games. We'll talk about that number in the second half. Three of them were on him, and the other one was when Najee Harris couldn't pick up a guy. If you really look at it, I don't know that they credit that one from Najee Harris. They shouldn't have to any offensive lineman. I don't know that any offensive lineman has given up sack. Because Trubisky had, you know, three times he should have thrown the ball away and didn't. You know, one in the first game and two in the last game. So that's what's going on when it comes to the pass blocking. Now let's look at the defense. The defense, they're ranked fourth in the NFL on their PFF score overall behind Buffalo, San Francisco, and Tampa Bay. 
when it comes to run defense, the Steelers are ranked. They're like, oh, this is where it's going to fall down. They are ranked fourth. They're ranked fourth. When it comes to tackling, they are their score for how well they tackle. They are ranked fifth. When it comes to the pass rush, they are ranked 13th. That's right. The low score for the defense is the pass rush. It's really interesting, though, how they do these scores. Sometimes you got to scratch your head. Alex Highsmith, three sacks the first week, the first week of the season. No sacks the second week of the season. Had a higher PFF score in week two. That's what it was. It's crazy. Um, they look at every individual play, not just plays where you show up on the statistic, and, and, you know, in, in, in the play sheet or not play sheet, the, the, whatever it's called, the, the, the stat book. There we go. The, the statistical column, whatever. I, who knows what that I'm trying to say. Um, I'm, I am at a loss for words. Let's go to coverage. Coverage, sixth. They're ranked sixth in the NFL. So right now it's the pass rush that's actually holding the Steelers back. And ironically, seven sacks week one, lower pass rush score than in week two when they got zero sacks. It's just that. So that also brings in a little bit of why you're curious about the scores. If we look at a couple of the individuals, uh, the top individual on the offense, especially when it comes to ranking, Chooks Okorafor is ranked the number four tackle in the NFL out of 66. Out of 66 players, he's ranked fourth. In week two alone, he was the second highest ranked offensive lineman. He had a he, he had a great pass block score and or no, a decent pass block score and a great run block score. So um he's got he blows everyone out of the water when it comes to run blocking, with the exception of wide receiver Miles Boykin um, from week one had a really high pass blocking score. But Chuksakorafor is up there, fourth out of 66. Dan Moore Jr., he's 45th out of 66. But believe it or not, Dan Moore Jr. has a higher pass blocking grade than a core four. It's that run blocking grade. Um, Chooks has an 85.6, where Dan Moore has a 44.6. Big difference there. Um, when it comes to the guards, they're tied, actually, believe it or not, Dotson and Daniels at 18th out of 70. I saw some people complaining about James Daniels and how terrible the pickup was, and he's been playing awful. You're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. He's not. He hasn't given up a pressure yet in the regular season, um, all, all of these crazy things. But both of those guys are ranked 18th out of 70. So if you think about it, you would expect if you know each team has two guards, so you would expect it to be 64, but because of you know injuries and other things with the snap numbers, that's why they have 70 right now. But you would want one of them in the top 32 to say that you have a, one of your guards is one you know better than you don't want one team that has both of theirs better than yours, but whatever. But the Steelers have both of theirs just out of the top half of that, you know, getting up in the 16th. So that's pretty good, pretty uh, so far with this offensive line. They're they're not showing that they're the problem. Now, Mason Cole, he's 20th out of 36 centers, um, but he did better in week two than week one. So that's one thing you want to see is that that score move in the right direction. Uh, when it comes to other positions on the offense, the other one who's ranked high is Deontay Johnson. He's eighth out of 107 wide receivers, but that's really it. If you want to know where Mitch Trubisky is, he's 20th out of 34 quarterbacks. Just thought I'd throw that there. The defense, the main one that stands out, Minka Fitzpatrick, he's first out of 71 safeties. And Terrell Edmonds is 10th. Terrell Edmonds had a better score in week two than um than than Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick had that huge score in week one, you know, defensive player of the week for the AFC. But with Edmonds, what actually dropped him down, he had a pretty bad tackling score in week one. He had they they credited him with three missed tackles. If it wasn't for that, he'd even be um 
most likely would be even higher than 10th out of 71. So that's good for the Steelers' safeties. Not so good for everyone else. Um, Chris Wormley's 19th. Um, from defensive interior out of 122, actually ranked higher than Cam Hayward, who's 22nd. Uh, T.J. Watt still qualifies right now. He's 14th out of 103 edge rushers. He did not have that great of a score um, in week one. I mean, he had a uh, – it wasn't a bad score, um, but it wasn't like – off the charts good, and that's why he's why he's he's fourteenth. And uh, Alex Highsmith at thirty second. In case you're wondering, um, so that's just some of the PFF scores I thought I'd throw out there. I am going to go ahead before we we do this break and answer one other question. I was challenged with something from Jeff Hartman uh, that that uh, he did his mailbag segment on Let's Ride on Wednesday, and there was a question asked of him. It was kind of a numbers question. I didn't have to do any research for it, and he just. He, sent that to me. And the question was, and I'm so sorry, I was driving. I couldn't write down or remember who it was that asked the question. So I'm just going to answer the question. Sorry, I can't give credit for it. But the question was, why are there 46 players active on game day and not 53? Well, first of all, I got to correct that. The answer is there's 48 active on game day. They changed that a couple years ago, but eight of them have to be offensive linemen. If you don't, if you want to try to skimp on offensive linemen, you don't get as many players. So you got to have eight to get to 48. So it's 48 out of 53. And bottom line is you're looking at it backwards. You're like, why do you have to have five inactive? Now, here's the reason behind it. It's they want teams to be on an even playing field with the number of available players on game day. Now, they, there's there's nothing you could do about it if your superstar is injured, but they want when teams step on the field to start the game that they both have the same number of available healthy players to play in the game. That's to, to keep more of a competitive balance. That's the reasoning. That's why when they added two players that you could have active for game day, they also added the idea of being able to bring up uh, players from the practice squad and then not have to go through waivers and, you know, those elevations, which is nice because if you are dealing with, uh, with more injuries at one position, then you actually have other players that you can use. And those practice squad guys are much more important now that they can be elevated like that. It, it's it it adds a whole dimension. You you really do feel like you have 69 players available to you um, with the 53 and the other 16. But the reason I say you're looking at it backwards is this. If you say, hey, everyone on the roster should be active, great. Cut the rosters to 48. Think about this. The teams were given a bonus years ago to give them more players to have available on – uh, on to prepare for the week in case of injury and everything else. But you're only going to be allowed to have this many actually eligible to play in the game. So they 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 expanded the roster, but said we're not going to expand how many can play on game day any more than that. And, and if you think about it, they used to only have 20 or 30-some players available to, to play on game day. So it's really expanded. If you really want every player to be active, they're going to cut how many players you keep on the roster. Because it's kind of like you were given a gift and you asked for a little bit more, and then you you take for granted what you had in the first place. That's what fans that are asking for everyone to be active now, they they don't get what it was before. It's like your 10-year-old, you give them $10 a week for helping around the house. Well, all of a sudden, they say, oh, can I get $12 a week because this, that, or the other thing? And you decide you're going to go ahead and give them, give them $12 a week. Then after a while, if they start complaining about the $12 a week, you know what I'm going to do? This is the kind of dad I am. I'm going back to 10. 
If you're not going to appreciate the extra that you got, then I'm not giving you the extra. If you think that extra is not good enough, then we'll go back to what it was. That's kind of how it is when it comes to the 53-man roster. They allowed teams to expand the number of players that they have signed and eligible, but only so many of them can play on, on game day. That's the philosophy behind it. Hey, we've got a lot to roll into about this matchup. We're a little bit long the first half, so we're, we're going to have to dive right into it. Stick around. We'll be right back. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. It's still Thursday. It's still game day. I'm still Dave Schofield. I'm still the editor behind the steel curtain. I I don't think I got fired over the break. I'll have to check with Jeff just to make sure that uh, I'm still good. Let's dive into stuff. This is game day. Let's let's look at this matchup. As I've said before, I, I like to go into rankings of where these teams rank in the NFL um, move I did the PFF rankings because th- those are different. Those are scores. To me, when it comes to these pure statistics, you need to have a bigger sample size before you can really say, oh, this the, the Steelers are, are, are the best at number one team at this. Because think about it. They were tied for number one in sacks in week one. Then they got zero in week two. One, you gotta get to me, you gotta get to at least the three games. Going into week four, we'll probably start looking at that. Before we do that, I've got to talk to you about the treachery that is Thursday night football. <sighs> I'm, I, as, as a fan of someone who wants to get from Monday night to the next Sunday, it's nice halfway through to have another football game to get you there. It really is. But when it's your team, it sucks for them. I mean, my goodness, look at it. They, the Steelers had one practice. They practiced on Tuesday. Tuesday's normally still a day off. Monday, they come in for meetings, you know, get treatment. Tuesday's the player's day off. A lot of them still come in to do stuff, but there's no organized team things on Tuesday. The, Wednesday is the first day of practice for the week for teams on a normal week. And, w- and what are the Steelers doing? They're doing a walkthrough because it's the day before a game. I mean, it's just, it's insane what they're supposed to do. When you look back at Ben Roethlisberger, well, he used to not even practice on Wednesdays. He needed, he was old, needed the extra time to recover. He wasn't even ready to throw a football again until Thursday when they played on Sunday. But on a short week, that's that's game day. It, it, they're really if the NFL was really about player safety and keep free, keeping players from injury and doing what was best for that, then they need to implement my plan of they need another bye week. Every team should get two buys. One of those buys, no matter what, is going to be the week before you play Thursday night football. No one has to play a game on four days rest. No one. 
And when you do that, you get that buy ahead of time, but then you have a game sooner and then you have the, the, you still got your mini buy after that. So even if a team plays Thursday night football in week two, guess what? They have a week one buy. You're like, that's crazy. That's fair. That's fair. And just don't do it to the same team every year. So yes, in this case, the Steelers would have had a buy in week two, a buy in week two, and then turn around and had one later in the season. So that to me, that's the answer. But until then, you're going to get this huge disparity in Thursday night football. And unfortunately, that huge disparity, especially in, I'm, I'm bringing this in terms of the Pittsburgh Steelers, has to come to whether or not you're on the road or you're at home. This, I went back to the merger when I looked at the Steelers' record on Thursday night. And I say the merger, but they didn't play a Thursday night game after 1970 um, until 1980. They played some back in the 50s and stuff. But I, So I'm just going from that 1980 game on. I, this was my my um, trivia on uh, the Steelers' preview on Tuesday night. Yeah, we had to do the preview on Tuesday night. So if you're looking for it tonight, yeah, we already happened two nights ago. Um but the trivia was 16 games that the Steelers have been on the road on a Thursday. I, I didn't take out week one games. I didn't take out Thanksgiving Day games. I didn't take out, when I did with the rest of the NFL, what they do now, where um, a lot of times they'll have, because there's three games on Thanksgiving, they'll take two of those teams that are matched up, and they play the Thursday night game the next week. So they have back-to-back Thursday games. So one of them's on short rest, the other one isn't. I didn't pull any of them out. I just kept them all in because it was going to be um, – it, it was too extensive to, to determine which one of those um, really mattered. But in the 16 games that the Steelers have gone on the road on a Thursday, they've only won three of them. They've only won three of them. They beat the Colts in 2016. They beat the St. Louis Rams, scored 41 points, beating the St. Louis Rams in 2007. And they won in 1984 against the Jets. Not only that, the Steelers don't score many points. I mean, believe it or not, the uh, last year, the loss to the Vikings, they lost 36 to 28. That 28 points is tied for the second most points they've scored on the road on a Thursday. Normally, they're not scoring points like that. For example, 28, loss. Seven, loss. 28, win. 21, loss. Six, loss. 20, Loss, 23, loss, 6, loss, 41, win. I already mentioned that one. 6, loss, 16, loss, 10, loss, 23, win, 3, loss, 10, loss, 0, loss. Look at those point totals. It's just it, – the, the Steelers have a lot up against them in this game. But if you look at that and you compare it to their home Thursday games, the Steelers, since the merger, now, like I said, there's only been – they didn't even have any home Thursday games until 1995, um, if you're looking at since the merger. But they've had 10 games. They won eight of them. They won eight of them. But here, look at these. And, and, and part of this, you're like, oh, wow, the offense is so different. But it's because the other team having to travel, their defense not being as good. Okay? 2018, 52 win. 2017. 40 win. I was at that game. That was the dilly dilly game. Okay. 2015, they scored 20 points and lost in overtime. That was the infamous Scobie debacle um, with no Ben Roethlisberger. Um, 14 points win. 27 points win. 13 point win in overtime. 27 point win. 27 point win. 28 point win. Nine point loss. If you throw out that one from 95 
and you only look since since 2000 or even my goodness even under Mike Tomlin let's just go Mike Tomlin they're six and one at home on Thursdays under Mike Tomlin with the only one being that crazy Scobie game where they never had any business losing that game um so huge advantage at home on Thursdays huge disadvantage don't like it I mean even the whole NFL there's a few teams that have a winning record on a Thursday night or Thursday games when they're on the road, but not many. Here, I'll, I'll, I'm not even going to tell you the teams. Well, I will tell you one, the, 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 the Colts, they're 11 and three in 14 games, but those go back to 2001, which is mainly the Peyton Manning era. Another team that's pretty good is uh, the Denver Broncos, nine and six, but I think Peyton Manning might've been there for maybe one or two of them as well. But let's just, just listen to some of these records. These are these are road records of games on Thursdays. 10 and 13, 9 and 10. You're going to notice some big numbers at the beginning because I have them ranked by how many games they played. 9 and 10, 4 and 12, 3 and 13, 7 and 8, 9 and 6, 6 and 8, 11 and 3, 3 and 10, 4 and 9, 7 and 6, 4 and 8, 5 and 6, 4 and 7, 6 and 5, 5 and 6, 6 and 5, 7 and 3, 7 and 3. Hmm. San Fran and Philly, both not bad there. Um, four and six, two and eight, five and four, three of them that are three and five, a two and a six, or, or sorry, a two and six, a three and four, a three and three, a one and five, which is the Baltimore Ravens, a three and two, oh and four, and one and two. Not very many good records. And the NFL sometimes even tries to, they, they did one whole season a couple years ago that it seemed like the the road team was favored because they made games a little bit more disparate, you know, like a team that made the playoffs the year before traveling to a team that didn't make the playoffs. They, you know, they try to do that to spice up a little bit because there's just a huge disadvantage. Huh. I just get frustrated with it when it's my team having to go on the road when they're at home. Granted, I don't like having to try to get rid of the tickets because a Thursday night game is tough for me to go to, but Man, when they're at home, it's a huge advantage on the road, big disadvantage. Let's look at these numbers of this breakdown. Like I said, I normally will give you the ranks along with these numbers, but this time I'm just giving you the pure numbers because where they rank will come into focus. You know, you need at least one more game sample. So here you go. Pittsburgh Steelers um, completion percentage, 59.2, where the Browns have a 65.6. The Steelers opponents have a 61.4 where the Browns have a, opponents of a 59.7, which is almost exactly what the Steelers are. If you think about it, it's a slight advantage there for the Browns, but then passing yards, Steelers are at 344, Browns are at 359. Not a big difference. Opponents passing yards, Steelers 551, Cleveland 516. Remember, Steelers have also played an extra 10 minutes, had to defend an extra 10 minutes because uh, of an overtime game. Um, that's not that far off. The Steelers have been sacked four times. The Browns have been sacked twice. The Steelers have sacked their opponent seven times, and the Browns have sacked their opponent six. These are all some pretty similar numbers so far. Then you get to rush yards. Steelers, 166 yards through two games. That's 83 yards per game. That's a 3.8 yards per carry. The Browns, 401 yards. 401 yards. In two games, that's 200.5 yards a game, averaging over 200 yards a game. Well, I think they did that last year when the Steelers played them and uh, they held them under 100. Um, but their yards per carry is at 5.3, big discrepancy. Their opponent's rushing yards, the Steelers have surrendered 257, which is only a four um, 
4.0 yards per carry, which isn't that high. But the Browns, they've only given up 147 rushing yards, which is a 3.8 yards per carry. Um, but you also have to remember, the Browns were winning pretty big in both of their games this year. And what's ironically, they ended up being behind in the final stages of both those games, one of which they lost, one of which they won with a really long kick at the end. So the, their their opponents weren't rushing a ton, but it's a 3.8 yards per carry, which is ironically exactly what the Steelers have on offense. Uh, the Steelers have turned the ball over twice, the Browns only once. The Steelers have forced six turnovers, the Browns have only forced two. The Steelers have scored 37 points and have surrendered 37 points. The Browns have scored 56 points and and surrendered 55. Whoo, that's a big difference in points there. You know, 36 and 37 versus 56 and 55. So you might say, oh, wow, the Browns offense is really something. But then that means their defense isn't. I'm not exactly sure. But then I said, well, let's look at the opponents. Well, the opponents that the Steelers and Browns have faced, the teams that both of them have defeated are currently 0-2. They lost their other game. The teams that the that the Steelers and Browns both lost to are both one and one. So out of the teams that the that the Steelers and Browns have each played, the only win either of those teams have had is against them. So that doesn't tell a lot. So then I thought, well, maybe I'll look at last year's record just to see. The Steelers, they were playing two teams that made the playoffs last year, one of which went to the Super Bowl. Like I said before, um, if you would have told me a month ago the Steelers were one and one through two games and the game they lost, they lost by three points, I would be really happy. Not the way it's played out, though. It's completely different when when you're in it. And the problem is they had opportunities to win both of those games um, and win them more decisively with some good offensive play. So that's a big difference. The combined record of the of the teams the Steelers – or the two teams the Steelers have faced this year, their combined records from last year during the regular season is 20 and 14 because both teams were 10 and 7. That's a 58.8 win percentage. Where the Browns, the two teams they've played this year, last year had a combined record of 9 and 25 uh, because one team was won four games, the other one won five games. And their win percentage is 26.4, which is less than half of what the Steelers' opponent was. Now, it's a different year. You can't take too much of that. So I'm saying if the numbers sound bad, remember that. Who they play really matters. That's why I like to get a bigger sample size because then who you play starts to even out a little bit more. Ooh, but those are those numbers. Um, Steelers really are up against it this week. They were up against it last year on Thursday. I had called from the very beginning last year that this, it was going to be all, very difficult for the Steelers to beat the Vikings on the road last year, and they didn't. I think the Steelers are in the same boat this year. Anytime you're on the road on Thursday, it, it's just, it's not good. It really isn't good. I wish the NFL would do something about it, but they won't. They're not going to take away Thursday night football. There's too much money to be made, and I, which is good. But you could still tweak it to still make it better for the players and, uh, to me, would give you a better product because there have been in the past some pretty cruddy Thursday night games because teams just weren't ready. But uh, oh, that's Stat Geek this week. My goodness, it's not much of a turnaround until still the Steelers play. Depending on when you listen to it, kickoffs could just be moments away. Make sure you're checking out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Lots of, lots of stuff in there leading up to this game. There'll be lots of coverage after the game. Check out all the podcasts. If, if you've got some time before the game, uh, 
last night's uh, Know Your Enemy with um, Jeffrey and Shannon, and they had uh, I can't remember the guy's name from Dogs by Nature, uh, which is the SB Nation site for uh, for the Browns. They had him on last night. Check that out. Um, didn't think you were going to get a regular what Ian's talking about this week, but those guys must not listen to our shows. Where all week we've been saying, oh, there's not going to be a regular what Ian's talking about. Because what do you know? They did one anyway. Because they're also going to be doing filling in for the postgame show uh, in what Ian's talking about live. There's a reason for that. Now, I will also have my last-minute thoughts coming at you here on uh, later today, sometime in the afternoon, probably around 2 o'clock Pittsburgh time. That'll come out. Um, it's for you to check that out. I'll, I'll wait until I get all the information leaned up to the game in order to do that, or I'll wait as long as I can. Um, but the reason that you're not going to hear the normal crew on the postgame show is, is this. Jeff Hartman's got to get Let's Ride ready. Brian Anthony Davis has to do the Here We Go, the Steelers show. I'm going to be doing the, the postgame press conference recap. But you know what? Mine's not going to take as long. I, maybe you'll have a little bit of a guest appearance on with Greg and Kyle uh, later on in the show when it's um, when they're filling the force. They're West Coast guys. They can help out with that. It's going to be very what you're talking about and post-game show. It's kind of a, a mashup of the two. I hope you enjoy it. I know they're really looking forward to it. Um, so make sure you're checking that out. And like I said, you'll have winners and losers from Jeff Hartman on a special Friday. Let's ride just because it's a Thursday game. Make sure you're checking all the podcast. We'll be rolling through with uh, most of our normal content. You know, obviously there won't be a post-game show on Sunday, but there might be something else there in its place. Um, but check it out. Thanks for the support. Hey, if you get a chance, leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. You want to stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next Thursday. And as I always finish it out, thanks for geeking out. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.